Hey everybody and welcome back to the Frames for Thought podcast. My name is Alex the Animator and with me as always is my good friend... Mark the Actor. And today we're going to talk about a very special topic. Taking the lead. You become an animator or become an actor. Now you want to start taking on leading parts. Be more of a team leader. Let's talk about it. a lead a lead a lead lead indeed a lead a lead taking the lead taking it so in the animation industry there's a few things that kind of go in tandem here there there's some some bureaucracy little hoops (laughs) that have to get jumped through a little bit Uh, (laughs) and some arbitrary titling junior animator Mm mm-hmm animator mm-hmm. senior animator mm-hmm. lead animator mm. animation director Woo! it's a lot to get through <laughs> and because animation isn't exactly a physically taxing career it's something that you can work in for a lifetime effectively mm. so the vertical leaps that you want to make in your career aren't necessarily always available and that makes taking the lead a little bit more challenging so when i talk about being a leader in the animation industry or a lead animator taking the lead there are a few other things beyond animation that you have to bring to the table in order to get there Mm -hmm. one is you have to want to lead people you get called a lead animator because you are leading a team You are leading by example. You are mentoring. That means mentoring the seniors, the animators, the juniors. You are a role model to your team, or at least you're supposed to be. And you're a direct liaison and console to the animation director. If you yourself are not already the animation director. Because sometimes, depending on the size of a studio a lead animator can also be rolled into animation director. Now, that's not really always the case with larger productions because there's usually a more grand vision that needs to take place and there's a series of lead animators that are leading a series of teams. But in a small studio, sometimes there's only one team, one lead, one director, and so on. So... To be a lead animator, it means more than you're just some sort of hot shot animator. <laughs> because when I worked at the studios, sometimes my senior animators would be 10 years my junior, which is fine. I don't mind that. But then sometimes the lead animator would also be 10 years my junior. And then that's where that becomes problematic. Because they're not sure how to lead a team. Mm -hmm. They're too new. And that's not to say that they're not talented. Mm -hmm. I've seen plenty of hotshot animators come right out of school. But the problem is you don't have that studio experience, right? Mm -hmm. There's a reason that leads have worked in the industry for so long. It's because they're capable. 
of working with a team, on a team, guiding a team, mentoring a team. They know how to problem solve when something arises, but it's more than that. It's the soft skills that come along with it, mm-hmm. the interpersonal skills, right? If there's a conflict on your team or you have an animator who's lagging behind and a lots of people on the team are having to pick up the slack, the lead animator has to be able to deal with that in a way. They have to know how to help that animator, whether it's to mentor that animator, help them buff up their skills, or help the team to get him or her up to snuff, get them where they need to be, or moving on from that animator completely, which is you know, obviously the last resort or worst case scenario. But being a lead animator, being a lead is a lot more than just animation. Yes, you, there in the back. Uh, just, <laughs> just a question uh, based on this whole like lead animator position. Um, you said that you've met people who are like 10 years your junior and they mm-hmm. don't have that experience leading a team. So how do they get to that position? Is it just like there are people that were there before them that quit and they just happen to be there at the right time? Or like how does, how does that happen? So sometimes um, this can fall into like a weird corporate or studio mentality where they see a hotshot animator and they want to put that hotshot into one of these big roles right away mm. because they want that talent. They want to cultivate it. They want this person to stay. This person or maybe the person in question is a toxic or a more toxic individual and is constantly threatening to leave and they don't want to lose that talent. Got it. And so they're they're trying to to pamper this person to keep them it's like a power staff. like a power play or something on their part power play Got in it. a way yeah but but the problem is like i said it's just they're not they don't know how to lead or they don't have an interest in leading mm-hmm. or they have no experience leading mm-hmm. because when you're working on a big production let's pick probably the most expensive one that i've worked on lego the leads on that show they're they're brought on months ahead of the rest of the team so that they can set up the foundational work Uh all of the poses and all of the like the phonetics for the mouth so that when you're doing lip sync you know you're drawing from the the phonetic shapes if you're doing you know you have to insert a walk cycle or a run cycle or something like that the leads are building all of these things way ahead of time so that when the animators come in you know, they're grabbing all these little clips and stuff and then they're animating and layering animation on top of it to make it look a certain way and do, you know, but all of the, like the magical effects and some of the fighting moves and everything are already choreographed and ready to go by the time that the animation team gets there. Okay. You know, the, the role the role of the lead is to lead the team, to guide the team. Mm-hmm. You You are like a pseudo director in a way because you have to help carry the team to get to a certain standard. When animators submit their shots, they submit them to the lead first, and then the lead will send back round one of notes, and then the animator will send the shots back once they've addressed the notes. And then the lead, if they pass the lead, it'll go on to the director, and then the director will send back notes if there's notes that are needed, whether that's the animation director or the, 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 the series director mm-hmm. or the episodic director, film director, whatever. You know, you go through these rounds of notes, but the lead is your first barrier. But it, because 
but it would be yeah, possible for a like a 25 year old to be a lead animator lead animator and have those like leadership skills and everything you're talking about though like it's not yeah like, for sure yeah, it's okay. not impossible yeah. but it just uh, there's more to being a lead than than just being a great animator right 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 and, yeah and so it it kind of falls and it can kind of sour a team too right when you have veteran animators senior animators who have been at it for a long long time mm-hmm. and then somebody below them jumps way ahead into this lead position it can kind of sour a team a little bit so sometimes it has to be handled with like kid gloves and you know very carefully promoting people and stuff like that but if the person has the drive the know-how and you know they have the leadership skills and the wherewithal to do it then that's okay but in the few situations where I've encountered something like this, it's it's been not a positive experience because as someone who's older in the industry, I'm in my mid-30s, and when I was working on The Deep, there was someone who was quite a bit younger than me who was in a lead position. It always, you know, like even though I knew how to do my shots and my shots were getting approved and I was doing my notes and this and that, right? The, the, the whole mentality of the team was kind of like, well, who's this guy? Cause you, as a lead, part of it is you have to have, you build the rapport with your team mm-hmm. and I'm not, not, not to bash on this person in particular. No, but no, just, not at all. This, the lead would, I think because they felt that way, or maybe they felt like, Ooh, maybe, you know, like I kind of jumped the line. Maybe they had that, that feeling or that imposter syndrome guilt right. or, or, or whatever, you know, they didn't build the relationship or any rapport with the team. They would just go to their little office where they would do their shots and do the notes and give feedback and that, but never an active participant with the team, never walking through the trenches and, you know, helping people out or mentoring this and that or teaching things and, so it just it kind of soured the experience for a lot of animators, especially the seniors on staff who were kind of just blown away. Like, where did this guy come from? You know, so cool. Yeah, I'm just curious. Yeah, yeah. No, it just uh, even in video games, right? A lot of companies that start up or indie companies that start up and develop, and you know, they need animation for a game, so they they bring an animator on staff. And they develop a game and it's relatively successful. Mm-hmm. And so this person who has a single publishment under their belt suddenly is the animation director for a small company. Yeah. <laughs> right? And uh, when they bring on other animators who maybe have more experience, the animation director in, in this particular case can find themselves floundering around a little bit, not having the answers that maybe the seniors or just regular animators on staff might have. So being an animator is one thing, but... Uh, being a lead is something totally different. Senior just comes with years' experience. Like it's a it's a title yeah. bestowed upon you because <laughs> you're you've you've proven that you're capable of animating, and now you've done your years' service, and now you are a senior <laughs> in the industry. You have been but, here uh, the required amount of years. You have been <laughs> dubbed senior. Senior, yes, sir. If you'll just sign here, please, <laughs> and I'll pin this badge on you. And here's your geriatric handcuffs. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, being a lead is something totally different, right? Like, yeah, for I, sure. I've worked on other shows. So I'll just run through a small gamut of shows here where it's Transformers and 
super noobs, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, Polly Pocket, Carmen Sandiego. I worked with a super talented animator. And on one of the shows, they made him the animation supervisor, hmm. which is, you know, akin to being a lead. And he detested it. He did not like it at all. Oh. So he, he was a rock star animator. He has credentials like with Disney and, you know, he loved, loved, loved being an animator. And when they made him a supervisor or and put him in a lead role, he had to take a step back a little bit from animating because he had to do a lot more of the mentoring and the helping with the work. He had to do like shot correction and draw overs and, you know, shot reviews and give notes for dailies. And, and right. then once all that work was done like once the administrative work on his end was done then he could start animating his master shots and so when the time came and they were like that was great you know like we'd love to have you be the supervisor on the next show and he was like nope nope (laughs) i don't want it i don't want it and so uh in when the studio is put into a position like that if it's a good studio so if it's a studio worth its salt and they want to keep that animator they'll probably you know, give him a raise. They'll probably increase his salary or his hourly rate or whatever because they're going to want to keep him on staff. A lot of the studios these days like to retain their talent Mm -hmm. and roll the talent onto new shows. So when their contract ends, they try to roll them onto a new one. Sometimes it's not always possible. And so that's why you see a lot of studio hopping between animators and creative people in film and television. It's just because their contract ended, something else came up, they wanted to work on that project, or there wasn't a project available at the studio, so they had to jump ship and go to another one. And Mm -hmm. then they bounce back and forth, and it's just a big game of Pong. Uh, But if they want to retain the talent and roll them onto a new show, that requires two things. It requires budgeting for the next show that they're going to roll them onto, because if they're going to pay him more to keep him, they they have to make sure they have it in the budget for the show. Mm Mm-hmm. And so from the studio perspective, again, it's not always possible. Yeah, yeah. But if they put him in that leadership role, then there always needs to be a lead or a supervisor on the show. So then they can just slot him into supervisor. But he doesn't want to be a supervisor. He just becomes a really expensive animator. And so sometimes it's petty on, on behalf of the creative, I guess, in a way. And some people might say it's selfish. But I kind of see where they're coming from. Because yeah. even where I am right now in my career... I'm doing a lot of master work for shots or games that I'm doing mm-hmm. and doing all the foundation work and a lot of the, the other animation because I don't have time to do literally every animation for the game. I have to have other animators to do the work. So whether that's in-house or outsourced, I then have to go over that work and make sure that it's stylistically the same. Mm-hmm. That is what we want. And it's to a certain quality for the game. So I have to take a lot of time away from animating to to do that. And so my work pace is slowed down because I'm helping other animators to get to a certain degree and to a certain level. It's the whole like Jedi training the Padawan thing. Not saying that I'm a Jedi is when in animation, but it's just it's the analogy. <laughs> and that's fine with me. I don't mind that. Because I like the idea that if I'm helping these people to get to a certain standard, that the product that we're going to eventually deliver is going to be excellent. (laughs) Because I'm not a fan of attaching my name to a piece of crap. I want whatever I attach my name to 
whether it's film or television or video games or, you know, a college to do portfolio reviews. I want to make sure that it's good stuff and that I'm giving good feedback that I'm making sure that the animation is coming out as best as it can be. Mm-hmm. When you're asked to lead or if you ask to lead, because sometimes, you know, you might go in and be like, I'd like to lead the next project that I'm on or I'd like to get a taste for it or, you know, you want to be in more of a leadership role. You're more than welcome to talk to your producer and they'll help you. Usually they'll help you take steps to to get to that point in your career. I've never really encountered a situation in my career where people haven't been willing to help if you've been willing to put in the work, mm-hmm. if that makes sense, right? Because it's one thing to say, I want to be a lead, but then you don't do anything, <laughs> right? There's no demonstrated ability where it's like, okay, he's taking the initiative and he's doing these things and, you know, but if you're doing those things already and you go to your producer and you say, hey, I think I'm, you know, I'd like to maybe take a stab at leading this or, you know, get a bump up to senior or, you know, they're, they're going to help you get on course for that sort of thing. Cool. So, uh, and then alternatively, like I said, you could be tapped. Your producer might tap you and say, hey, we'd like you to lead this project or, hey, we need you to lead this because of the generalist problem like we said in Polly mm-hmm. Pocket, right? There was the generalist problem. And so sometimes you get tapped to lead and it's at that point that you you can make a choice, really. I mean, it's not going to be your only opportunity to rise to the occasion, but it might be a really good opportunity for you to, mm-hmm. right? See if you're you're worth your salt sort of thing. So, if you're tapped and they say, "Hey, we want to make you a lead." You can you can take that step, but just remember that when you're a lead in the animation industry or a creative field, that that means leading. And so it's not just a title that says, ha ha, I make more money and I get to do cooler shots than you. <laughs> it's uh, it's a lot more than that. You do get to do cool shots, but there's a lot more foundational work that you have to do to make sure that the style of the show or the movie or the video game is what it's supposed to be. And so sometimes you can be the unsung hero of the show because you have laid the foundation and the teams that you build will build upon the foundation that you've laid. Mm -hmm. So the stronger the foundation that you can lay as a lead, the more beautiful the house or the building will be in the end. So just make sure that if you're going to take the lead or you want to take the lead, that you're really ready for it, that you're really ready to take the lead, that you're not just taking it for a title, that you're not just taking it for a pay bump, Make sure that you're going to put the work in, that you're going to be a good mentor, a good leader, someone who's looking out for the whole team, leading by example, right? Cool. Yeah, just sort of reflecting on the acting world when it comes to this this sort of uh, degree of leadership. For me personally, I don't have much experience in the idea of like leading whatever I'm doing in the acting world. Um, I can think of an example when I was on the set for Arrow. I remember one of the leads talking to the director being like, well, this is the joke, right? So shouldn't we do it like this? Um, And that's about the most I've seen. Typically what I see when I'm on set is like the actors will kind of talk to each other, but we don't really give feedback into, oh, hey, like this is what's going on. I'm doing this or I want to do it like this. Let's do it like this. Let's change it and do it like this. It all kind of funnels down to the director and the producers and what they want. So 
as an actor, you really don't have too much say. You really can't take a lead. You more or less can just make suggestions or give an idea. You really don't take charge uh, because it's not your job, in essentially. Um, if you're doing something and the director has, and the director gives you that freedom or that liberty to kind of take uh, chances and do things out of the box, like if you're Anthony Hopkins, ninety percent of the time you probably can do whatever the hell you want in front of the camera, and the director's gonna let it happen because you're Anthony Hopkins. But not everyone's Anthony Hopkins, right? So there's probably a certain level of uh, take a liberty, but for the most part, you're just doing what you're kind of told. Um, stand here, say this, you know, and then depending how you say it, you might be able to influence them to change it around, but nothing's ever guaranteed. They might just tell you to go back and do it a certain way. Uh, but when it comes in, go ahead. In the case of, let's just take it the case of Anthony Hopkins here for a second. Mm-hmm. Uh, somebody who, you know, is, is a leading man in, in acting or in theater or film or television. And to be a leading man on the set doesn't necessarily mean like jiving with directors and stuff like that. Like it, it can be taking the notes from the director, mm. right? Taking, taking the guidance and the direction from the director and doing it well, like giving the performance that is wanted or expected and then going above and beyond and, and doing that sort of thing, right? Being the leading man or the leading woman. So I, I think that Anthony Hopkins would probably be open to notes and, and to direction. Like he seems like he's a pretty grounded person. I mean, I'm not I'm not saying I, I'm not saying like someone like Anthony Hopkins wouldn't listen to the director or take notes. What I'm saying is is that as an actor you're also a creative person. And so mm-hmm. let's say they're doing a scene and it's not working, someone like Anthony Hopkins might be able to just go to the director and be like, Hey, I'm gonna try to do it like this. And because it's Anthony Hopkins, most likely the director will be like, yes, because you're Anthony Hopkins. If I was to go do that for my two-line hot dog vendor, there's a good chance I'll be told to shut up. You know, because sure. two-line hot dog but, vendor isn't leading man Anthony Hopkins. Um, right, but on on the flip side of that, mm-hmm. if it wasn't working and, like, Anthony was the one giving suggestions and the director comes up and says, hey, like, let's try it like this... Mm-hmm. I feel like the appropriate response of any real, like any real no, lead yeah, would but be I, like, yeah, let's do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. Like the Anthony Hopkins example isn't me saying like an actor will not listen to a director. Your entire job is to listen to the director. Because what, what I'm trying to get at when it comes to film is that as an actor, you don't, you're not the one in control of how the scene is supposed to look, how the scene is supposed to dictate. All your control is like what you're doing. And if what you're doing doesn't vibe, director, producer, writer whomever like even the lighting guy or the sound guy might just be like no 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 and then you're like okay well now i can't do it because i don't have my light or i'm uh, busting the mic when i get too loud so like you basically you're just there to do your actor thing you're not really in charge of the crew you're not in charge of the scene you're not leading really anything um but when it comes to stage it's slightly different because I find in my experience from what I've witnessed and what I've done when it comes to stage, there is a lot more give and take with uh, the director. Um, a lot of directors in stage, from my experience, they want to put the actors on stage and just have the actors do their thing. And then from what the actors do, they kind of mold and shape it closer to the vision that they want. So like the whole audition process is to sort of find actors who you kind of vibe with and who fit with what you're trying to do so that your job as a director is a little bit easier. 
um, because you have all these other things that you have to worry about besides the acting. So if you can make something a little bit easier, why not? Um, so in a lot of acting cases with me, um, especially and again with like a more senior actor, someone with more experience, uh, it's really easy for them to just sort of stop and be like, Hey Mark, like, can you give me two beats before this line? And you're just like, yeah, sure. Whatever. Like no problem. And then, you know, we do the scene and I give them the two beats. Then all of a sudden the scene just kind of changes because they needed that time to kind of get somewhere else emotionally. And then we follow that roller coaster. So that for me would be an example of an actor kind of taking charge and leading. But again, if we take that beat and we do the scene and the director goes, you know what, not what we're looking for. I'm looking for something more like this. Then we just throw that beat away because it's all about what the director sort of wants. Um, Where you would find more actors being leaders is more of your classroom setting, where especially a lot of actors who want to teach other actors how to act. Um, that's where you see the leadership because it's more so they sit you down, you guys work on stuff together or they watch you do stuff with someone else. And that's when they sort of, again, it becomes more like a director role, but it's the differences. They're not telling you how to do the scene so it can be read in front of an audience for three weeks. They're telling you, like, this is where your mind should kind of be. Like, this is this is the approach you should be taking going into a scene like this. And it'll help you kind of unlock the story more and your character more. Um, so that that's, that's sort of, I would argue, the most leadership that actors sort of get. But again, like, I've been a part of productions where... Uh, the the director actor relationship is so open and flowing that it does kind of feel like a class because you have that safety enough to take these giant risks and you know you kind of uh i i know the director personally and we're like friends at this point so i already kind of know what they want from me and so i can kind of give it to them right away and it's it's a lot easier smoother process um but yeah it's i don't know it's 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 a hard topic to kind of talk about because as an actor, you don't really have a lot of chance to sort of lead. I guess while rehearsing scenes as well. But I mean, I kind of touched on that too with the whole beat thing. But you well, sort can, what? What ahead. about? Uh, what can you talk about your experience uh, with Arrow when you were in the truck? Like, because you were the truck driver and you were sitting in the truck with the leads. Yeah. Like, can you can you talk about what that experience was like? Like uh, what? Uh, what? How? How did they behave on set? What did they do that? that you learned something from? I mean, yeah. n- nothing any different than anybody else, really. It's, um, like, like again, like I kind of said at the beginning, like, he made that suggestion about the timing, but I don't even think it was, if I, if I remember correctly, it wasn't even really taken. It was just sort of like, it's like, yeah, that's what we're trying to do, you know, so blah, blah, blah. Like, it wasn't really, his suggestion wasn't didn't really make it, <laughs> if I remember things correctly. But I mean, like, yeah, being on set with them and everything, like, they're just the same as me, you know? Like, the only difference is they have, like, a special seating area. Um, oh, so, okay. So they can go but set up. Yeah. They, they didn't behave any differently? No, no. Like, I mean, like, 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 the Arrow experience was one of my favorite experiences on set because it, it honestly felt like every single person was on the exact same level. You know, mm. like, I was, I was hanging out with stand-ins, um, stunt guys... Because, like, I saw the stunt guys watching wrestling promos, and so, like, we got talking about wrestling, so it was fun. Um, 
but the ones like I like I always tend to really gravitate to like costume and makeup people and I don't know why but I always just tend to get along with them really well like they always just seem really kind and I'm like very kind in return and so I always get chit-chatting with them but like yeah like when the when the leads weren't sitting in their special area like hiding from all of us they were just like all of us on stage just kind of watching the monitors and kind of walking around talking to people going to craft services like just chilling out um yeah there, there was really no distinct i didn't see i didn't see anyone like sitting next to the director being like you know like we need to do this or you know let's do that mm-hmm. like there was there was really none of that it was just sort of like everyone kind of knew what their job was and so there's kind of waiting to be put in front of the camera and then do what they got to do. Like the guy who was sitting next to me in the truck, um, he was really cool. Cause I told him it was my first time on set. And so he was very like, he was very kind to me. And he was, he gave me like, he actually told me this, like, cause we were there for 12 hours. So we got talking about his life a little bit and it was really exciting to hear him. Cause uh, he went and acted in Japan for a very long time. And he got a lot of work because he's a white actor in Japan. So he got put into a lot of those like teen shows when he was like the dumb English teacher, like teaching all the kids English. And he was just like really dumb. And the joke was always like, he doesn't understand Japanese customs and it's funny. <laughs> um, so like, he, like that's, that's where he built his, uh, his resume was uh, out in Japan. Um, but yeah, he was like a really super cool, chill dude. And like, yeah, like, and, and like, he, again, like he's been working for years and he, he acted no different than anybody else. Like, again, it was just like a nice chill atmosphere um siren it actually sounds like a like a really healthy working atmosphere yeah like and, right? and, and, because when everybody when everybody's on the same page like that yeah and you know the the people who you consider the front men or the lead men of the show are interacting with everybody in the same way that you would be at like i don't know any water cooler kind of thing right like everybody's yeah. just chill yeah. and that's not always something that you have in an animation studio, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes there's that air of arrogance about being a more senior or a lead. And, you know, you have that, that style and that jazz that the studio's after. And so then you, you have to feel like you have to, 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 to bring the animators up to your level is like a chore, mm-hmm. right? And it's like, Oh, when will these guys learn? Like, they're just not as good as me. Well, and, I mean, I've, yeah. I've come across that too in the acting world as well, but again, it's like, but, but what's ironic about the times I've come across it in the acting world, it was always with like, uh, like like beginning theater companies, like at the very beginning of their cycle, like maybe two or three years in, and just a like bit full of themselves. Yeah, they they just think they're the bee's knees, and that like their their summer program was going to cancel like Bard on the Beach here in Vancouver, and it's like no, you're not. Like you don't yeah. have the reputation. You don't have like. Like yeah, like we're all like you're talented and like you're doing some good shit, but or you're yeah, you're talented and you're doing some good stuff, but that like it takes more than that to like be successful and like to overthrow something else. Um, Definitely, and that that's why I feel like it can be really dangerous to yeah. throw to throw a, like a very young out of school animator into a lead position too early, well, right? See- because they some sometimes it can go to their head. And obviously, this isn't true for everybody. You mm-hmm. know, like some people are excellent leads and great leads, and but others are not. And I feel like the problem is that they don't have the experience of growing with a team, right? What it is to struggle and what it is to grow with a team. I'm not saying that animators should struggle. It just is. There's a lot of problem solving that happens when you're 
you're working on a project for the first time, mm-hmm. right? And if you're a lead, you're you're already aware of these problems. Like you've had, you've encountered them before. You know, it's not your first rodeo. Mm. And so you know how to tackle them, the proper channels to go through to make sure that they can be solved effectively and efficiently. And then when you are building the foundational work, you, you're cognizant of these problems. And so what happens is you often account for them when you're building that foundation so that when animators come through and you're presenting them with the style guide and uh, the, the animation workflow going through the pipeline you've accounted for that problem and you've built it into the way that you're teaching them how to to deal with it Mm -hmm. so one of the big problems with the lego rigs was they're blocky and so they wanted them to do these ninja flips kicks spins punches whatever the geometry on the lego rigs would crash right (laughs) if they move their arm too far that way it would cut through the body Mm -hmm. and if they bend over too far you know, their body would cut through their hips or their legs would cut through their body. And so the leads took that into account when they were when they were building the uh, all of the, the pose libraries and when they were building all the phonetics and everything. And what they did, I, I mean, I can't say what they did because there's proprietary stuff built into that. But they, they put in safeguards and custom controls that animators could use to make corrections on the rig so that it wouldn't crash and do the things like that so when we came because we didn't worry about it in rough animation mm-hmm. or spline it don't, it's only when it came through for finaling and final polish that we would actually tweak those things mm-hmm. because it's just more get it out there get it out there get it out there and so you know there's yeah. there's lots of stuff in there. but sorry i didn't that's i digress you were you're about to talk <laughs> about sirens uh well no i wasn't no i wasn't gonna talk about sirens um oh, okay no, but but what I want to say though is like just because I'm saying that as an actor, like you can't just like walk into the the set or the stage and just take control. Like first of all, if you're making a movie, a TV show, or a, like a stage uh, production, you shouldn't be walking in and taking control of things. It's it's a group effort. Everyone has their own skills. Everyone's bringing in their own thing. So don't don't feel like it's up to you to kind of like dictate how things are gonna go. Um, because there's a few mentalities or like, yeah, a few mentalities that I've met over, over the years of, of actors who just think that all their ideas are the best ideas. And there's actually one guy in particular, he just popped in my head now. Um, he's a very talented guy and he was brought on to do, uh, not acting work, but stage managing for a fringe show. And like he, he like on top of having the actor stuff, he has a lot of technical stuff. And he goes into this show, and from day one he hates it because it's it's a very prop heavy show, and it's one of his other talents and passions. And they didn't do it the way he wanted them to do it, but that wasn't his call as a stage manager. Like that's not what you're supposed to do. Uh, even if you hate everything that you're doing, you hate the show that you're working on, you, you either quit or you shut up and you just do what your job is. Um, and it wasn't like the show was bad. He just didn't like the style that they were doing. Like he, he would have done a different style, which as a director, yeah, go in and say that. Um, but he had such a bad attitude throughout the whole thing. And then he ended up quitting the production something like a week before they opened. And it's like, so first of all, like you were, you were a pain in the butt to work with. And then you pull this move that is, uh, for like a lot of theater people and a lot of people in general would consider like a very gross move. You don't do that to a show. 
So now the show has to scramble to find someone to be a stage manager and teach them the entire show in less than a week. And that is completely unfair. And so because of this person's actions, they actually, like, they got, like, a, such a bad reputation, they had to leave, like, the city for a while and come back after it's The stage died. manager had to leave. The stage manager had to leave, yeah, yeah, because his reputation was so ruined. And, and this is, and like, this is, I tell this story because it's a story of where that, like, leadership or that take control type mentality, like, backfires and kind of, and sets you back a couple years. Because well, this person wasn't asked to take the lead, right? It, exactly. Like it, they they were forcing it upon everyone else, and it just it's not what you do. It's it's inappropriate. Um, and I mean, like I can say confidently that that person has learned since then, and they are a much better person. So like, it's not like it's a mentality that stuck. It was a hard lesson for them to learn, and but they learned it. Um, I also know another guy who who valued his acting so much that he would become like he would join a project and if it wasn't going exactly the way he wanted it to he would pout and get almost almost impossible to work with cuz his ego was just that out of check and he gained himself again a terrible reputation didn't work like he could only get work for him like he could only make work for himself for a while but eventually again like the last story he eventually learned from that mistake and he grew and got better and now he's doing much better like acting wise he has a he has a really good resume now um so you just gotta it's like it, it kind of sucks to hear but it is like like when you're there to do your job you're there to do your job does that mean you can't make suggestions or you can't talk to the director about things or talk to costumes about things or lighting about things no not at all you you absolutely can talk to these people but it's not do this it's not do that it's hey i'm worried about blank could we try blank you know like it's it's a suggestion it's it's an idea not a this is how i want things done or like this is how things should look um unless you're a director because that's more of a director's role um keep everything that you ask or that you want to talk about in this regard as a suggestion as an idea um i'm actually and I'm, I'm remembering things as i'm talking um, I was doing fight choreography for a show, and we had to wrap um, a, a cloth around a woman's neck and pull and, like, choke her out. And I was struggling trying to figure out how to do this, because, like, I was looking at things, like, because we were using a cloth. I was like, okay, well, if we put a wire in the cloth, then we can make sure that it doesn't, like, stop. Like, we can rig it in a way where it, like, will stop at a certain point and her neck's okay. Um, but, like, things like this. And I, I was just trying to figure it out to way to do it, like... Because, like, we can get her to grab it as it goes around, but then it, like, it looks too obvious. But then, like, at one of the fight rehearsals, she came in, and she was like, Hey, like, I know we've been struggling with this. Um, I, I thought about this the other day, and I looked it up online. There's a way that magicians do that scarf trick, where it looks like they pull the scarf through their neck. It's like, why don't we just do that? And I was like, that's genius. Like, I never would have thought of that in, like, a hundred years. So, like, something like like someone doing like that, like, she didn't come up to me like, I want to do the scarf like this. She was like, hey, I know this has been an issue, and I, like, I thought about this the other day, and I think this will work. And it was like, yeah, that's exactly how you bring that kind of thing up. And that's exactly... Yeah, that's very constructive. It, yeah, exactly. It's not, I want to do it like this. This is how it should be done. Like, that's not, that's not going to help you. That's not going to help anybody. Just, you know, there's nice ways you can ask for things. Like, especially with me being a fight person, whenever there's something physical I have to do, 
I'm always like, like, hey, like, um, I like what we're doing here, but do you mind if I grab more like this, or if I stand over here and grab it like this? And like, as I kind of show you what it will look like, you know, and like I'll, I'll run through it with them. I was like, yeah, it's more like this, this, and this, and like, you know, ninety percent of the time they're like, oh yeah, it looks way better. Like, oh yeah, thank you, because it's like I already know that skill, and I'm not going to sit here and be like, hey, my way is the best way, so we're going to do it my way. It's always like, hey, like, like uh, I had an idea. Can we try this? And then that that tends to move you more forward than backwards, making mm. making suggestions than definitely than taking control. <laughs> when when I was tapped to be a three D lead for the very first time, I remember that I was like, yes, this is this is good. I'm gonna rise to the occasion, and it was terrifying because I, it suddenly it's on you, right? Yeah. Like what happens if this falls? What happens if this fails? Right? You you're the you're the fall guy, and. Uh, when I got the team together and we were getting ready to go, like it's some people might have it in their head where it's like you're sitting in like a big fancy chair or you're walking around in the trenches and you're like, so and such, get get in, get backgrounds on the phone. I need to see them in my office. And it's like, see you there over there. Make sure you put more squash and stretch and that sort of thing. I need to see better weight timing on this one. Like you're, you're. It's not like a Hell's Kitchen episode where you're just standing around barking orders at everybody, <laughs> right? Uh, because it was the first time that I took the lead. A lot of it was very collaborative uh-huh. because I was working with experienced animators, animators who were just as experienced as me. It just happened that they tapped me. They wanted me to to take the lead. Fine, I'm the lead in title but you suffer a little bit from that imposter syndrome. And so you have this collaborative effort with your team. And the big part of your job as the lead isn't to step on anybody's toes. It's to make sure that the job gets done. And so on top of animating with your team, one of the things that you do is you coordinate with, you coordinate with other teams. And so when certain animations were done, I would be in touch with compositing and I'd be like, hey, let's run this through right now. Make sure those renders came out good. And compositing would be like, yeah, that's great. And if it wasn't, then we'd send it right back to the animators and we'd be like, okay, this didn't work. Like we have to, we have to get this shot through and we need to make sure that the, you know, it's rendering properly and, you know, all sorts of stuff. Mm-hmm. And so a big part of being the lead early on was collaboration and learning, right? Because you have to learn how to be that kind of a lead or lead that kind of a team. So when I was being, when, (laughs) (laughs) so my first time being a lead was tricky because there are animators that I was working with because I specifically asked for them to be put on the team that were far more experienced than me. And I was really bouncing a lot of stuff off of them and they were giving me lots of great stuff to go on. But the biggest part of my job that changed was, like I said earlier, is taking a, a small step back away from animation and doing a lot more of the administrative stuff, mm-hmm. collaborating with compositing and making sure that the backgrounds are right, the timing is right on this, that you're you know you're in touch with the producer and the director, and you're making sure that everything is going the way it's supposed to go, so that when you're talking to the animation teams, that they know what's happening they know what's expected of them and you know usually they're pretty on top of it and as long as you're doing your job and you're doing it well and you're an effective communicator chances are that everybody else is going to do their job really well too and you're going to get a really nice finished product so you know if you're if you're about to take the lead 
just be open to collaboration. Like Mark said there with the, the magician's necktie. It's just, you know, sometimes the best suggestions come from places where you, you wouldn't necessarily expect. Or, yeah. you know, if you're really stuck, even as a lead, bounce ideas off of your teams. Because sometimes, you know, eventually some of them are going to be leads too. And so they're going to have good ideas too. So just make sure that if you're leading, that you're also being a good mentor and a role model. Mm-hmm. You know, you're you're open for discussion, constructive feedback, all that good stuff. Well, like, I mean, like, regardless of, like, animation or acting or on a construction site or in a symphony or whatever, like, everyone has their part to play. It's, it's not a one-person show. I mean, do what you're supposed to do and, you know, talk to each other, figure things out. It's a group effort. You know, you might have the role of lead animator, but you still have your team, right? So, you know, communicate like you, you're building the project together you want it to be the best it can be communicate with each other and um well I, I i think about being the lead animator and i without my team i would not ever get the work done <laughs> yeah exactly um there there is one thing i want to bring up too though uh because i feel it's important uh because i see this from a lot of actors as well especially more so in stage than film um if something feels unsafe if something is hurting you by all like please say something like absolutely say something to somebody um i've i've known stories of uh well like the one that, that i'm thinking about right now is uh this 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 girl in a school she was wearing a corset as her like a corset was part of her costume piece and she never brought up how tight it was and then eventually she popped a rib because it was just too tight and all she had to do was say Ow. something yeah, like because like the costume designer will make it loose. Like they're not they're not trying to hurt you. Um, so say something. Like bring it up. If the shoes you're wearing don't fit right, and it hurts when you walk, you can't give a good performance. Tell somebody get new shoes. Like yeah, you might feel like you're being inconvenient, but everybody understands. So bring it up. If I'm doing fight choreography, and I want someone to fall backwards, if they're like I don't want to fall backwards, it feels really unsafe. It feels blah blah blah. I'm not gonna go like oh well blah blah blah. Like, take that charge and that moment and bring it up because your safety is more important than my show. So, like, talk to somebody. Like, always, always talk to somebody if you feel unsafe. And that... Absolutely. Yeah, and I want to bring up one more thing from a production I saw that I, was, I don't know any of the background about it. I don't know anything um, about it, but it, it's a show I saw and it was a student show and... There was something that was going on in it where if I was part of the production, I probably would have said no. Because it was a very small cast when it came to the leads, but they had a whole bunch of extra students, so they had them doing background stuff. Uh, the show was a very sexually charged show, and basically what ended up happening was they had a whole bunch of young men like going on stage and just making out with each other. Now, I'm not against you know dudes kissing or anything. Like, whatever, that's fine. doesn't really phase me. My issue with it was it was so gratuitous that it lost, like, any kind of meaning and just sort of became, like, a thing. And as a performer, Mm. if you want me to do something that's outside of my comfort zone like that, um, it needs to have a meaning to it. Like, I'm not going to go on stage naked unless there's a meaning, like, there's a reason that I have to be naked on stage. Um, that was, that was another problem actually when I went to the, when I went to studio, they did an off campus production of a show. And so the teachers had no involvement in what was going on. And one of the lead actresses, she was asked to take her clothes off in the show. 
and that the, the school found that inappropriate because it was like you're asking a student who has no power in this situation to get naked in front of strangers like right. and it's and the, and the male lead he didn't get naked but the female lead had to get naked yeah and it was just like that's inappropriate that's uncool she should have said something very last story um the there's a there's a production house here in vancouver and they've went through a regime change so this is not a problem anymore but one of the stories that came out before the change was there was a kid's production i believe it was peter pan and the woman who was playing peter pan um they had uh they they were making her do like pratfalls and stuff but they didn't provide any cushioning in her costume and it was like on the hardwood of the set and she messed up her knees she messed up her knees bad and that's one of those situations where she, she should have fought more i shouldn't say it like that because i don't want to blame her because it's really not her fault but she really should have put up a stink there really should have been a lot of noise made about that because your knees are pretty valuable um, absolutely yeah so i'm really glad that the people who did that to her are no longer working there and that's been replaced with good people but at the same time too if i was in her situation i would have said no i am not doing this i'm not ruining my knees for this show like you get me knee pads you get me braces you get me whatever the hell i'm asking for or i'm not doing it you can find somebody else because again absolutely. your health is more important than the show always absolutely always be stay healthy and you'll be able to do more shows right so like it's like it's like those moments are the moments where an actor should take the lead you know like if you're gonna get hurt you take the lead and you go no this is not what we're doing this is how we're gonna do it well that that is taking the lead in a way right you're exactly taking charge of a situation that you know is unsafe and you're you're showing a demonstrated leadership in in that quality already and like 99 percent of the time the people who you're talking to they are going to listen to you because it's about your health and safety like that's it so never feel embarrassed about that taking the lead in that situation i'm gonna just do one more thing yep. about leads here and i'm gonna use a harry potter reference because i think it's it's in a way it's it's accurate so maybe this will speak to some people a little bit more but Gilderoy Lockhart, uh, Ewan McGregor's character, who was the, uh, see, I'm not a huge Harry Potter guy, but he was the teacher or against the dark arts, defense against oh, yeah, the, the dark defense arts. Against the arts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, but he was a total fraud, right? He was this very famous wizard, but it was all a facade, right? All just fluff. But then... There was the the Half Blood Prince, but with the Half Blood Prince, what what I'm specifically referencing is the 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 potions textbook that Harry Potter finds, where it's got all the notes in the side margins, and this is important for two reasons. So if you're if you're gonna take the lead but you're not ready or you don't feel confident, it's okay to say no, because otherwise what happens is you end up with this Gilderoy Lockhart scenario. Who knows? Maybe you'll maybe you'll rise to the occasion and you'll excel. But there's also a good chance that you'll run into the Gilderoy Lockhart situation where you have a title. It's a very fancy title, but it's all just fluff. It's facade. Anytime that there's a problem, you're you're redirecting it. You're moving it on to another person, another place, another department, another thing without actually any without doing anything. Mm -hmm. And 
it, the thing is that, that that facade can only go on for so long before people figure it out. Right? You're you will be exposed eventually. It's happened before. We talked about it before in our lies and labels episode. But the the potions textbook with all the, the lines in the margin is an excellent example of being a mentor and being a leader because in the margins of the page there's shared knowledge where it's like no this you know like it says to do it this way and it will probably work this way but if you do it this way it's more efficient it's more potent it's better and that kind of advice to a team right so if you have a a new green animator and he's so used to doing it the way that he was taught in school you can let him do it that way and you can let him build up his speed that way and, you know, be like, great, you know, he's because he's delivering, you know, he he's delivering his shots on time or his his assets on time or whatever it is he, that they need to do. Or you can you can sit there with him like a couple times and you can help mentor them and increase their work speed, their workflow. Maybe they're clicking too many things or maybe if they're grabbing like every finger control individually you can show them how to make a selection set so in, that they can just click a button and it grabs the, the left fingers or the right fingers, right? There, there are little things that you can do as a lead to really help out your team and speed up their workflow. And then what happens is they get more comfortable with the process and they get better. And if they're more comfortable and they're getting better, you're, you got a rapport, they're gonna ask more questions, you can have more answers. It just becomes more collaborative the more knowledge that you're willing to share, the more you're willing to mentor and help these people get through these early stages of development to lead your team, you know, the, the better your team is going to be. And it's always more fun to be part of a winning team than a losing team. Amen. Right. So we can leave it at that. I think but, so. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're going to be, if you're going to take the lead, Make sure you're ready for it, mm-hmm. and remember that it's it's more about just the title. It's more about the team than it is about you. That's right. All right, I think that's going to do it for the Frames for Thought podcast for today. Thanks so much for joining us. We'd love to hear from you. If you have any questions or comments that you'd like to ask us, feel free to hit us up on those socials, Mark. Frames for Thought podcast page on Facebook, the Frames for Thought podcast page on Instagram, and the Frames for Thought podcast page on Twitter. Uh, but I think on Twitter it's just Frames Podcast. Yes, it is. I was about to say. <laughs> Please, by all means, hit us up on that if you have any questions, if you want any specific topics that you want us to cover. That's the best place to do it. Um, if you have any ideas for things you want to hear us talk about, that's the best place to do it. But yeah, coolie, coolie, cool. Coolie, coolie, cool. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next week. Take care. Bye-bye. royalty-free music from RKBC and Track Thanks for listening.